Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Edge of Perception, a paranormal science fiction love story written by Steve Bellinger. If ghosts can visit us, can we visit them? Ron Lewis's education and career are firmly rooted in science, but a curse that dates back to the days of slavery has plagued him since childhood. Born in a black ghetto in Chicago in the 1960s, Ron's pragmatism is at odds with his experiences, whether it's the trials of an interrelational relationship or the supernatural forces that he can't seem to avoid. Just when he thinks he's finally found peace of mind, Ron's life is upended by tragedy. He gets the opportunity to use science to try to communicate with the dead and to finally confront the evil that has plagued him and his family for generations. That's when all hell breaks loose. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Edge of Perception. Chapter 1 I'm not psychic. Sometimes I wish I were, but I'm not. Well, I've experienced some weird stuff in my life more than once, but that's different. I had no control over that. I mean, if I could read minds, predict the future, manipulate spirits or something, then maybe I'd at least have seen it all coming and even figure out a way to avoid it. For whatever reason, I just seem to attract this weird stuff and strange people like Dolores. Beautiful, sexy, sweet Dolores. She was everything a man would want in a woman, and I loved her madly. Why did she have to turn out to be crazy as a bed bug? It didn't all start with her. It was back in the 1960s when I had my first encounter. The first time I saw the thing. At least that's my earliest memory of it. I was four or five years old, living in the ghetto on the west side of Chicago. It didn't take long to figure out that it only came at bedtime and only when it was raining outside with thunder and lightning. If the night was calm, or if there was only a mild shower, everything would be okay. But if the man on the radio said that there would be thunderstorms that night, I knew it would come. It had been another steamy Friday of a very hot summer. I usually spent my days at Miss Hickman's house. She would babysit me while my mother worked at Sears. I didn't have a daddy, or at least I didn't know who the son of a bitch was, which was fine by me. From what I had seen, Having a father was not all it was cracked up to be. At least there wasn't some half-drunk man coming home at night beating up on my mother. I was the man of the house, and that was how I liked it. On this particular day, Mama let me play a little longer than usual at Miss Hickman's house, but she was there as soon as the streetlights came on to take me home to our third-floor cold-water tenement on Miller Street, a neighborhood affectionately known as Jewtown. I remember her rushing me home through the darkening streets before the half-drunk men and the teenage boys would come out for the night. The air was thick and the wind was blowing from the south, so you can smell the stockyards. I couldn't understand how something that tasted so good when it was cooked could smell so bad when it was alive. I could hear the noise of wild unsupervised kids playing in the alleys and noisy cars and motorcycles racing up and down the street and almost always there was some kind of siren somewhere in the distance. I was too young to fully realize it at the time, but life was pretty tough back then. 
Those who lived on the south side thought the west side was the most dangerous place in the city, and the west siders were definitely afraid of the south side. White people would generally not venture to either, especially after the sun went down, unless they ran a store or some other kind of business, or there were cops. The irony was you had to live there to really understand how bad it was, but if it was the only reality you knew, well, you may not understand what you were missing. The American dream, as seen on television and in the movies, just sort of washed over us poor colored folk. Mama let me sit and look at my comic books at the kitchen table while she made dinner. It was one of my favorites. A nice beef stew with big chunks of potato and little meat squares that were not too chewy. While I ate, she heated water in pots on the stove for my bath. She dragged the big metal tub to the middle of the kitchen floor and filled it with about four inches of water, mixing hot and cold water until it was just right. I loved playing in the warm water and singing along with the odd little songs on the radio about beer and aftershave lotion while she got my pajamas ready. When am I going to get a big boy's bed, Mama? I asked her as she tucked me into my secondhand wooden crib. Next year, Mama smiled. She leaned over and kissed me on the forehead and walked out. I was nearly asleep when the booming thunder began to shake the building. The first time I remember seeing the thing, it was little more than a shadow. When the lightning flashes lit up the room, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. When I turned my head to look, it was gone. I was too young to understand what was going on, and after a few minutes, the storm passed and I no longer saw it. So I went to sleep. As months passed, the thing became a regular visitor during the nighttime storms. No longer just a fleeting shadow, it became a swirling mist above my bed, sometimes dancing along the ceiling until the storm was over. It scared me so bad that I'd run to Mama's room in tears, and she let me sleep with her. Eventually, I talked her into letting me sleep in her room whenever the man on the radio said there would be thunderstorms. I recall Mama taking me to the doctor several times. At first, he thought I was having fits or something, but the pills didn't help. Then the doctor decided I was just having trouble sleeping, but the sweet pink medicine made no difference either. Most nights I slept fine anyway. It was only when it stormed and the thing came. The doctor didn't believe me. I never totally trusted doctors after that. Everything changed when I was almost six years old and Grandma came to live with us. She couldn't live alone anymore and she could watch me while Mama was at work, saving her the five dollars she gave Miss Hickman every week. Grandma got my room and I had to sleep in the front room. At least I finally got a real bed in the deal. But Mama wouldn't let me sleep in her bed anymore. I was getting too old for that, she said. She told me I had to be a brave little man and stay in my new second-hand bed. I really didn't mind. Maybe the thing wouldn't come if I was sleeping in a big boy's bed. A week later, there was a violent thunderstorm. The wind gusts made the metal blades on the Venetian blinds sing, and the thunder rattled Grandma's little white porcelain figurine sitting on a shelf on the wall. I was awake in bed, staring at the ceiling. I saw a black spot above me that grew until it looked like a spinning black fog. Was it bigger this time, or was it getting closer? It seemed to be just a couple of feet above me, 
when two dim red spots appeared that looked like eyes, burning eyes, looking right at me. I tried to get out of bed, but I couldn't move. I wanted to scream for Mama, but nothing came out my mouth. What's the matter, boy? You scared? I heard the voice, but the thing did not have a mouth. No, wait. I didn't hear it. The voice was in my head. You are mine now, boy. You are mine. I couldn't move. What was this thing? Why was it here? It was scaring me to death. The room got freezing cold as the swirl moved down toward the foot of the bed, its eyes still on me. I am going to eat you up, boy. I am going to eat you up, starting with your little toes. I could feel the weight of the thing pressing on my feet. I was stiff, and I felt something cold and heavy wrap around my feet. I just knew it was going to eat them. Just then, the pressure lifted. The black mist twisted around as if to look out the window. The storm was moving away. The thing was shrinking, its eyes getting dimmer as it glided up to my face. Don't you worry, boy. I will be back. Then it blew out of the window. Man, I jumped out of that bed as fast as I could and ran screaming into Mama's room. Mama, Mama, it's gonna eat me up. What are you talking about, she said, stirring from her slumber. That thing, that black thing came again. It's gonna eat me up, I cried. Oh, baby, Mama sat up and took me in her arms. It's just another bad dream. It ain't no dream. It's real. I saw it. It tried to eat my toes. Come on, baby. She got out of bed and took me by the hand. What's wrong with the child now? Grandma said from her bed as we walked past her room. He's having nightmares again, Mama sighed. I'll not let him eat all that junk before he goes to bed. I can remember how tired Mama looked when she walked me back to my bed and turned on the light. We searched all the corners, behind the buffet and under the bed. See, she said, nothing here. But it was here. I couldn't understand why she wouldn't believe me. It only comes when it's thundering and lightning outside. Oh, Ronnie, baby. She let out a tired sigh. I followed her gaze to the big wet spot on the sheet. I felt the back of my pajama bottom and started to cry. I'm sorry, Mama. I sobbed quietly. It's okay, baby. I know you didn't mean it. You had a nightmare. But it was real, Mama. It was real. All right, okay, she said as she stripped the bed down to the rubber sheet. You go get cleaned up while I fix this. A few minutes later, I was back and ready to climb into my clean, dry bed. I have to go in early tomorrow, Mama said. Please go back to sleep. What else could I do? I climbed into bed and laid back down. Mama gave me a kiss on the forehead and left the room. I stared at the ceiling for I don't know how long before I finally fell asleep. The next day, while Mama was at work, I was playing with some empty thread spools, unsharpened pencils, and rubber bands on the kitchen floor while Grandma sat at the table, knitting. Ronnie child, she said to me in her old voice, what scared you so much last night? It's that black thing that comes every time there's a storm outside. It's like a big black cloud with little red eyes. It holds me down and says it's going to eat me up. 
My man the doctor say it's a bad dream. But it ain't no dream. It's real. She lay her knitting down on the table. Oh, Lord. It's done come back. What? It's the Tokoloshi. Toko what? A long, long time ago, somebody put a curse on my granddaddy back when they were slaves. They said this little demon would visit upon our children for generation to generation. They called it the Tokoloshi. Lord, I thought we were done with all that mess. Why would somebody put a curse on your granddaddy? I don't know, baby. But I know what to do now. Go on in my room and look on the floor in the closet and bring me that little black box. Go on now, scoot. I got up and ran into her room. I didn't go in there often because it was so strange now. It smelled just like her. Not a good or bad smell. Just old. I opened the closet door. Her clothes were hanging neatly and she had some old frilly looking shoes on the floor covered with a thin layer of dust. I had only seen her wear them once to a funeral. In the corner was a little black wooden box. It was carved to look like a treasure chest with dull metal fittings and a latch. I carefully carried it back to her. Here you go, Grandma. She wiped the dust off with her hand and undid the latch. After digging through some loose jewelry, she took out this funny-looking thing. It was a piece of thick, roughly cut leather, about two inches square. The top half had brass wrapped around it, with little circles and half-moons hammered into the metal. A couple of copper wires snaked around below the brass. Attached to the bottom wire were five little dirty white cowrie shells resting on the leather. The whole thing was attached to a long, twisted leather necklace. What's that thing, Grandma? This is a juju, a talisman. A talisman what? A juju. When I was a child about your age, the tokoloshi came to me and scared me half to death. My daddy, your great-grandfather, got this voodoo woman to show him how to get rid of the tokoloshi. She gave him this juju, and he used it to chase the tokoloshi away. I thought that was the end of it. It didn't come for your mother when she was a baby. So I thought it was over, but some kind of way it and came back. She held up the talisman and examined it. Now I want you to take this juju right now and go put it under your pillow. If that tokoloshi comes back, you just show him this juju and it will protect you. Okay, Grandma. I was amazed by the juju thing. She gave it to me, so it had to be special. I was almost looking forward to the tokoloshi coming back. Grandma's magic was going to send it away for good. Summer was nearly over. We had just come home from the big family reunion in the park. It would be another year before I would see my little cousins again. So we played long and hard in spite of the heat. There had been lots of hot dogs, hamburgers, potato chips, and pop. I ate everything in sight. When Uncle Leroy drove us home afterwards, he and my cousins Larry and Joe helped us bring the leftover food upstairs. Come here, I whispered to Joe and Larry. I got something to show you. Larry was two years older than I was, and at four, Joe was more than a year younger. They followed me to my bed in the front room while the grown folk were in the kitchen. I pulled back the covers and reached under the pillow. What's that? Larry asked. It's a juju, I said. It's a, a talicaman. Little Joe was wide-eyed as he stared at the thing in my hand. 
Juju, he said slowly. It's supposed to keep the demon away. What demon? Let me see it, Larry said. I hesitated for a second. Should I trust him with something so valuable? Then I handed it to him. This ain't nothing, Larry frowned. It's magic. Grandma gave it to me to protect me from the demon. It ain't nothing but some old junk. It ain't no such thing as no demon. My daddy say your old grandma is crazy, and you just afraid of the dark. Larry started to pull at one of the cowrie shells. Don't do that! I snatched the talisman back. Larry turned to little Joe. He's just a fraidy cat. Fraidy cat, little Joe echoed. That don't do nothing, Larry laughed. Uncle Leroy called the boy. Come on, Joe, we gotta go. Bye, Freddy Cat. Joe laughed as they ran into the kitchen. I was no Freddy Cat, and I was going to prove it. After they left, Mama heated some water and fixed a bath for me in the big metal tub in the kitchen while we listened to music on the radio. I was real sweaty and tired, and the bath felt good. When I was all clean, I got into my pajamas, then Mama kissed me on the forehead and tucked me in for the night. Good night, my little man she said with a smile. Night, Mama, I said as she went into her bedroom and shut the door. A minute later, I was asleep. All of a sudden, the wind kicked up, making the Venetian blinds bang against the window sill, waking me with a start. There was a bright flash of lightning and a roar of thunder that shook the bed. A storm, a real bad storm. The man on the radio didn't say anything about a storm. The pounding rain came quickly and the thunder and lightning seemed endless. Then it came. The Tokoloshi! It swirled into view above me. This time it was different. Before, I could see through it a little, like a mist. This time it looked almost solid, like a puff of thick black smoke. The sides were bright red, and there was a crease below them. It seemed to have some kind of mouth. It was grinning. I am back, boy. He got in my face. Nothing going to save you now. I was frozen. The Tokoloshi was pressing down on me. I could hardly breathe. The Juju. Where was the Juju? I looked around and saw the talisman laying on the little table across the room. I could never reach it. That's not going to help you, boy. Now I am going to eat you. Eat you alive. The room got darker and my ears began to ring. I felt cold, freezing cold, and the air smelled like rotten eggs. The Tokoloshi wrapped itself around me and was sucking the life out of me. Scary laughter echoed in my head. This was it, I thought. The Tokoloshi was going to do something terrible to me. And I was going to die. I was going to suffer the curse put on my great-grandfather, and there was nothing I could do to stop it. I closed my eyes and hoped it wouldn't hurt too much. Tokoloshi, you bastard! I was able to move my head enough to see a little through the blackness. It was Grandma, standing barefoot in her long, white nightgown, holding the juju with both hands as the wind blew her silver hair around. Tokoloshi, you get the hell out of here now! I felt the pressure release as the Tokoloshi pulled away and glared at her. You old bitch, you can't stop me. This boy is mine. I'm warning you, you old devil. You get the hell out of here now. She held the juju higher. I do not fear that little trinket. The Tokoloshi laughed. 
a laugh I could hear with my ears and feel on my skin as it floated back to the bed, where it once again wrapped itself around my body. In the name of the Lord, Grandma shouted. The demon quickly rose again and flew into Grandma's face. She screamed and fell to the floor. I will take care of you after I'm done with the boy. The tokoloshi wrapped itself around me even tighter than before. I couldn't speak. I couldn't breathe. And I felt like my eyes were going to pop out of my head. Tokoloshi, demon from hell, fly away from this earthly shell. I strained to look and saw Grandma standing again, holding the juju above her head, the lightning making her face glow while she chanted. By the power of this juju prod, thou shalt never again torment this child of God. The tokoloshi backed away from me as if something had snatched it from behind. Then it turned toward Grandma with a sickening growl. Tokoloshi, demon from hell, fly away from this earthly shell. By the power of this juju prod, thou shalt never again torment this child of God. The demon swirled and spun around Grandma. She chanted louder. Tokoloshi, demon from hell. The black demon rose away from her as it spun out of control. In my mind, I heard it call out. I will be back. I will be back. I will get you. I will get you both. It became a dark blur as it spun faster and faster. The air became even colder. And then a blood-curdling scream filled the room as the tokoloshi silently exploded and dissolved into nothingness. The room was warm again. The rotten egg smell was gone. And everything was quiet, except for the now gentle rain outside. I sat up in my bed. Grandma, where are you? You okay? Did that thing get you? No, baby, I'm down here. She was sitting on the floor, breathing heavily. I jumped out of bed and ran to her. I saw a trickle of blood from a cut on her forehead and hugged her tightly. You okay, Grandma? I'll be all right. She hugged me back, the juju still in one hand. Behind her, I saw Mama standing, staring, open mouth. Did it hurt you, Grandma? I asked again. No, I'm all right. Just a little tired. What the hell was that all about? Mama knelt down and wiped the blood from her mother's head with the sleeve of her gown. I should have told you about that a long time ago, Grandma said. It ain't gonna come back, is it? I asked. No, she said as she looked around the room with big eyes. That old tokoloshi is gone, baby. It ain't gonna bother you no more. Not if I can help it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Edge of Perception. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.